This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here's what's on the John Oakley Show podcast for Friday, September 18th, 2020. This week was the 13th Ig Nobel Awards. What is that? The editor of the Annals of Improbable Research magazine joins us to explain. James Cunningham and Spencer Rice join us for topics worthy of destruction. All of this starts now. Harvard, albeit in a virtual sense, they handed out the Ignobles, the Ignoble Awards, uh, and these prizes uh, are rather cherished, I guess. As a matter of fact, let's find out more about it because some of the things for which these prizes were handed out uh, really do uh, not defy credulity, perhaps, but uh, they do instill a lot of mirth and merriment. And goodness knows we could use that here, especially in the context of COVID. Mark Abrams is the principal behind all of this, the editor of the Annals of Improbable Research magazine, and a latter-day Tom Lehrer, if I do say so myself. Mark, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. I really like the way you just described that. These prizes are cherished, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't want to be too definitive. That's the point. Well, you tell me. I mean, thank you for the high. Thank you for the high compliment about Tom Lehrer, also. Yeah, you know, I was uh, reading your credits here, and uh, your background tends to suggest you're somewhat of the uh, Renaissance man yourself. Here, it's not just uh, fun and games. You got a, a background steeped in serious science, as well as uh, writing librettos for 23 funny science mini-operas. And uh, Lair, as we know, uh, sort of would buy coastal in terms of teaching. I guess he did for a while up in Cambridge, too. And then he was at the uh, University of California. But he wrote a lot of uh, satirical songs back in yeah. the 50s, 60s, and so on. So uh, many to of that end... still wonderful, yeah. And he, Tom also was very helpful to me when I was first starting to write these operas, too. He was lucky that way. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Is he still with us? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's in his early nineties now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, heck of a guy. And yeah, he was also a math professor, but, uh, that being aside, (laughs) I wanted to get to, sorry, uh, sorry to hijack your, your interview here, but you're, (laughs) you're saying very nice things. Yeah. Thanks. Well, no, but you, you know, I'm going along for the ride because, uh, I'm really impressed now the ignobles see, uh, this is something that has a story tradition in and of itself. Tell me, uh, how these things got started and what was the point or purpose behind them? We know the Nobel prizes, you know, this is, uh, Mm -hmm. for the August and the elite amongst us, but, uh, what are the ignobles? The Ig Nobel Prizes are for things that make people laugh and then think. That's it. <laughs> doesn't matter whether the thing is good or bad or whether it's important or not. Uh, what matters is that there's something about it that when people first hear what you've done, they laugh. And there's also something about it that it's going to stick in everybody's head. So a week after they hear what you've done, they still want to just talk about it and tell their friends. We give 10 of these a year. Usually, up until this point, we've always done it in a big theater here uh, with uh, 1,100 people. Most of them bring stacks of paper that they turn into paper airplanes they're throwing the whole night, get a bunch of Nobel Prize winners up on the stage to shake hands with the Ig Nobel winners and hand them their prizes. 
and a whole bunch of stuff goes on. So uh, last night we had 10 new winners from around the world, um, and one of the prizes went to some Canadian scientists. Oh, who were those? They were um, Miranda Jackman and Nicholas Rule, um, who were both in Toronto when they did the work. Um, Nicholas is still in Toronto. Miranda just moved to another university. They uh, won an Ig Nobel Prize for devising a method to identify narcissists by examining their eyebrows. <laughs> and this was all in the name of scientific, serious scientific research, was it? Well, I mean, you can say something's in the name of scientific research, but when you're, when you're using those, those grand words, all you're saying is somebody noticed something that really struck them as hard to understand, so they decided to look a lot more carefully, and that's what... That's what science is, and that's what they did. So they looked at a lot of people's eyebrows. <laughs> okay, and uh, as a consequence, uh, shall live in ignominy, I guess, for the Ig Nobels. Well, there's another one cited, Damien Dennis. Uh, he and his colleagues also got a prize for something along similar lines, right? Yeah, this was the um, Medicine Prize. This is uh, three scientists in the Netherlands. And they won for diagnosing a, a long, unrecognized medical condition, which they called misophonia, M-I-S-O-P-H-O-N-I-A, excuse me, misophonia, which is the distress at hearing other people make chewing sounds. <laughs> right. I wonder, uh, you get government grants for this kind of work? Well, that, people often begin by asking that question, and some are, some aren't, but most of the things that win Ig Nobel Prizes um, don't have a lot of funding from any particular place. A few of them do. You know, mostly these, and, and I, sh I should also say that almost everybody in the world is doing Ig Nobel class stuff every day. <laughs> Just whatever you do in your work, whatever you do for work, it's hard to step back and see what it looks like to other people. And I think the only time you do is maybe if you go to, say, a family Christmas party every year and some older relative who really doesn't know you well stops you and says, hey, tell me what you do for work. I don't mean just tell me the words. Tell me, say, on a Wednesday morning from 10 o'clock to 10.15, tell me every detail of what you do. And if you answer that question after about three minutes, you stop talking because you realize the words coming out of your mouth make you sound like you're crazy. <laughs> no? <laughs> Mark Abrams with us, editor of the Annals of Improbable Research magazine and uh, the point person behind the Ig Nobel prizes that were handed out at Harvard in the virtual setting yesterday. Uh, you know, further to this point of the uh, misophonia, uh, mm -hmm. the psych psychiatric diagnosis uh, you get annoyed by noises other make others make i like the inspiration for this there's a backstory to it what was the inspiration yeah there was uh i forget the details but one of these doctors had uh, a patient who um was threatening what suicide i think from the misery of either that or threatening to murder the person who was making the sound something like that yeah so people that who sneeze yeah that so that, that got the doctor curious enough to really start spending some time um, looking into what's it like for this person, what causes this, are, are there other people who have this happen to them, uh, why doesn't it happen to everybody, and you know, that's, that's how science happens. Well, this is While where I wonder. While he was accepting his prize <laughs> in the ceremony, uh, he was eating an apple uh, very loudly. <laughs>
<laughs> so the irony wasn't lost on him. As a matter of fact, yeah, yeah, such... yeah. You can you can see and hear all this. You know, we've been webcasting the ceremony every year since 1995. So this is up on the web. Anybody can go and see these people. You know, getting their prizes from some Nobel laureates and talking about it. Well, that's the interesting thing too. Uh, legitimate Nobel laureates are actually handing out the prizes. So uh, there are a lot of yeah. Folks we we are... stay away from illegitimate Nobel laureates. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they're the ones getting the prizes, uh, and so this is what well, uh... one one of the Nobel laureates handing out prizes this year won an Ig Nobel Prize 10 years before he got his Nobel Prize. And what was that for? The um, Ig Nobel Prize was back in the year 2000. He and another scientist, they're both physicists, they used magnets to levitate a frog. Okay. The one it's, something that, uh, it's something almost any physicist would have told you was impossible. <laughs> right. And they figured out that it's not only possible, but the physics is pretty well understood. I know. And then that, ten years later, he he won a, a Nobel Prize for something that sounds even goofier. Well, there you go. I mean, Copperfield could pull that off, but maybe not the scientist. The other thing is the guy who fashioned a knife out of human feces. You got to share that story with us. Finally, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the um, there's a, there's a story um, no that that a lot of um, scholars had been passing around about an Inuit man who um, was stranded. And at some point in desperation, needed a, a knife to to you know get food and all, and in desperation used his own feces, which he froze and then made into a knife. Um, and these scientists kept hearing this story, and they were curious about can this really be true, and how do you answer that? Well, so they decided to try it, and they tried it, and what they discovered was if you you can make a knife that way, but that knife is no good; it doesn't cut anything. <laughs> <laughs> but they tried. What were they trying to cut with it? Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, a big part of what they were doing was they're taking something that a lot of people believe is true, and they're putting it to the test. And what they discovered is, uh-uh, this thing that a lot of people think is true, nope, it's not. James Cunningham is back with us, comedian, actor, and financial literacy lecturer. James, how you been in the last week or two since we've spoken? I've been all right. Thanks for asking. It's been uh, it's interesting. This new COVID world is uh, is very odd. I, I'm doing shows virtually uh, from my home on my computer, so I have no idea if people are laughing or not. It's, it's like radio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're not. So uh, that's where we part company. <laughs> you, you you may already uh, still have you know uh, your perceptions or whatever. But listen. Let's get Spencer Rice in here as well. Spencer Rice, as you may know, is uh, yeah, Spenny from Kenny versus Spenny, but he's a writer of renown as well as actor. How about you, Spen? Things been good? My wife uh, decided that she wanted to paint the kitchen to only find out that uh, it's wallpaper, so I've been spending the day scraping wallpaper <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> well, that's good. Canadian I mean, uh... show business at its finest. Hey, you know, Canadian showbiz is getting a big shout-out tomorrow. I guess it's on the weekend, the Emmy Awards on Sunday. Uh, Schitt's Creek is up for 15 noms. Uh, I mean, that's unprecedented in terms of you know, whatever Canadians have on offer. Gene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, best in their categories. Uh, they're being nominated as well. Well, let me ask both you guys. You're in the comedy realm as well as, well, show business, television, and the rest. So is Schitt's Creek uh, the best ever offering in terms of Canadian comedy, say notwithstanding the ensemble shows like SCTV. James, how do you feel about it? 
I mean, hang on a second. I'm glad you brought up SCTV for sure, but are we forgetting the king of Kensington? I mean, come on. Can we like, there's, there's so many examples. The beachcombers. I mean, people say it's a drama. I thought it was a comedy. Let's go back. To Let's not forget our past. You're right. We ought to hand out the Jerusies. Uh, that ought to be an award category in and of itself. All right. Uh, how about it, Spent? I mean, you were doing the um, comedy. Sh- I, I have to be honest with you. I have never seen an episode. Having said that, I love that it's getting all this buzz and getting awards or nominations uh, because they're Canadian. And like uh, like he just said, you know, SCTV uh, for me and for Kenny is is ground zero. We used to call them our Beatles, you know. And uh, so anything, and I've. I know Eugene. I've, I've been out uh, with him, and uh, he's he's just a legend. Like you know, people, uh, uh, you know, SCTV is truly legendary. So anything, and Catherine is a genius, and they're they're just all lovely, and I I'm so happy for them. And let's you know not the- forget Kenny versus Spenny. That show was groundbreaking. Uh, I, if I can just, uh, I'm going to brag for you, Spencer. But that show really, <laughs> really was on a lot of top ten lists for many, many years, and was really uh, fantastic. So uh, cats off to you, man. Ahead of its time. As a matter of fact, you're going to resurrect that time, Spen. You're going out on tour, as I understand. Uh, now, are you going to do it with Kenny here? You've got a Western tour coming up in Alberta? Yeah, I just did a, a music tour, a solo music tour, and now I'm, I'm working with Kenny again uh, in October. I think we're in Hamilton and Montreal, and then we're heading to Manitoba in uh, November uh, for five or six shows. I can't remember. So, uh, we have to do two shows a night now because of COVID, but uh, we're very happy to be working at all. So, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's a blessing. Well, yeah, you're doing it live. James now is hosting these corporate events virtually. By the way, before I'm uh, straying too far off the mark, uh, you know, talking about great Canadian comedic talent, Jim Carrey uh, is going to sign on for a series of shows in the next few weeks, I guess, with SNL. Uh, he'll be portraying Joe Biden. They got him to do because Baldwin was doing a very credible Donald Trump. Can you see? I mean, Carrey uh, has the chops to pull this off. I think he's the greatest physical comedian of our generation, as a matter of fact. James, would you agree, or is there somebody better? No, he's he's the best. Pound for pound, he's the best. And what I'm really looking forward to is how he portrays uh, Biden in a, in a positive light. He's going to bring some energy, because I know from his art and from his uh, last book, he is he despises Trump. So <laughs> I, it's going to be interesting to see how he portrays Biden uh, in a comedic sense, but uh, really gives him a, I know he's going to give him a positive spin. So I'm waiting to see how that's going to be like. But Jim's the best. I mean, he's the best. Come on. And local boy, you can't go wrong with that. No, that's why I was wondering. You know, I'm trying to think of racking my head here. Who was a better physical comic? I mean, even going back in the day, Dick Van Dyke or, you know, oh, yeah. current. Because he was a classic. And then you've got Sasha Barrett Cohen. Uh, Will Farrell too, I guess, makes me laugh. But he doesn't have the physicality of Jim. Spen, well, do we get an her. amen from you as well? For me, um, you know, yeah, I, he's he's a remarkable talent. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, when he used to do before he became hugely famous and was doing stand up, when he would do his impersonations and actually his face would literally become either Clint Eastwood or Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, that's that's a rare a rare commodity. And uh, yeah, I you know I think Chaplin was the greatest physical comedian. Charlie Chaplin. I have to go back that far, but uh, in terms of I think. Uh, you said contemporaries are, are of our generation. I would have to agree. Jim Carrey is uh, probably the greatest physical comedian. 
Yeah, you see his when, rendition. When Nick Van Dyke, when Nick Van Dyke would trip over that ottoman, there was. Yep. <laughs> I know, I'd lose it every time. Uh, it didn't get old. It never really uh, wearied that one. By the way, uh, again, topics worthy of destruction. Spencer Rice, James Cunningham. Spen, when you're out in Alberta, might you want to try uh, this new whiskey that just won uh, the most prestigious award in whiskey tasting? It beat out like 1,250 other renowned whiskeys around the world scotch whiskey irish whiskey i guess the bourbon from uh kentucky and what have you uh, alberta whiskey uh, was voted number one by a guy who apparently writes the whiskey bible right i i love whiskey uh unfortunately i'm the sewer in connoisseur so i don't <laughs> think i could i could tell the difference i mean i can tell the difference between total crap and something that's good and I look at these kind of competitions kind of like I do, you know, let's say a Chinese restaurant that has on the sign world's best Chinese food. Uh, I think there's some, some back deals happening. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, it's keeping people employed. I'm in, I'm in favor of it. Why not? It's like a beauty contest, I guess. I don't know. You know, and James, I guess it might uh, have more to do with marketing, uh, which is the other thing, because Taco Bell is now selling its own custom wine. Would you drink Taco Bell custom wine? Well, first of all, I would I would drink Taco Bell custom wine. I would I would definitely drink a whiskey from Calgary, because if anyone needs a stiff drink, it's our province of Alberta. They So no wonder they come up with one of the stiffest ones. They, uh, they've had some tough times, so I would drink that for sure. But Taco Bell... Uh, you know, this is a tough one, uh, John. I got to say, I mean, it's uh, it's all about the marketing, absolutely. But uh, you know what? I, I mean, with this uh, COVID time, you know, now it, it, everyone's selling everything now. I, I don't know what I don't know who's selling what, but Taco Bell selling wine. What's next? McDonald's is going to be you know selling uh, you know, what some sushi. Well, who knows? It's just a crazy world, John. I'm into it. I'll I'll try it. Why not? What else is there to do? Well, Red Lobster's I, teamed I up with Mel- talk show. I know this is a talk show, John, but the answer is no. <laughs> no. Come on. Okay. Uh, all right. You know who's getting her own show, her own TV show? Carol Baskin of Tiger King fame. I mean, let me ask you guys if this is something that, if you were, uh, say, buying a show or producing a show or something, does this merit any serious consideration? I think Letterman famously said way back when that everybody will have their own talk show by the year 2000. It's coming to fruition. Uh, James, first off, does that make sense to give her a show? You're asking for a Baskin, John, and I'll tell you, that's, uh, you know what, who could have ever predicted in 2020 that that show was been such a colossal hit? But, uh, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a dumpster fire. You can't not look. You can't not watch. So whoever gave her a show, I mean, why not? Uh, Drew Barrymore's got a, got a crazy show on her talk show, and it's, it's just, I, I don't know what's going on. I, everyone's got their own show, and it's, uh, you know, why not her? She killed her husband, apparently. We don't know for sure. We can do three episodes just on that. Right. You know what's interesting? When you just said uh, sometimes at night to pacify, people will put on the burning logs. It should be a burning tire fire instead. Burning, there you go. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) How about it, Spen? Does she merit a show? Well, first of all, let me understand the reasoning. So I could kill my wife today, not have to scrape the wallpaper off our kitchen, (laughs) and I get a TV show? Sure. Okay, and guess I what's great that, for taking off the, the wallpaper? Taco Bell wine, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, poulet refried beans. Uh, that'll be a great wine. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Do you remember uh, what is, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce Jenner's new name? Caitlin. 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 
So Caitlyn Jenner had a show which generated a lot of interest and then died very quickly. I think the same will happen with Carol Baskin. She is not the Tiger King. She is not nearly as deranged and demented and as fun to watch. So if I was a producer, I would pass on the show because it didn't have legs, as they say in Hollywood. Hmm. And I'll tell you right now, that husband, he's under the septic tank if you watch the show. He's under there for sure. <laughs> well, if she, if she, yeah, that's true. I mean, if it goes that direction and she, she confesses, uh, it might be a one season wonder. I would love if he just shows up. That would be great if he shows up just out of the blue. Oh, that would, now that's, that would now that's be, a show. That would be good too. But I, I have to, John puts me in these positions where I have to make a decision and, and I'm just going with what I, what I know. I was going to ask, though, uh, you weren't aware of Caitlyn uh, Jenner. Uh, Spen, are you the out-of-the-loop guy? Is this a new character you're working on? What's going on? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, you know, for someone that I guess is in the media, uh, I, I watch news and I watch documentary. That's, you know, and, and old shows like we just, I've been binge-watching The Sopranos on Crave. Uh, I'm really not that, I'm, I'm a news junkie, to be honest with you. Well, here's the news that's sort of uh, making the rounds. We were talking about it earlier. Van Morrison, uh, he's going to drop a trilogy of tunes starting next Friday and uh, every two weeks thereafter. He's basically condemning uh, political leaders because he says it's government overreach on this whole COVID-19 response. Uh, and he's really saying they're taking our freedom. Uh, one of the choruses, no more lockdown, no more government overreach, no more fascist bullies disturbing our peace, no more taking of our freedom and our God-given rights, pretending it's for our safety when it's really to enslave. And it stung me. Uh, so what do you make of that, James? I mean, uh, is this guy being irresponsible or is this something that he's speaking truth to power? No, he's 75 years old, John. I mean, the guy's like, and look at how he's releasing this new album. It's a, it's a time release. He's releasing uh, songs every two weeks. So now, I mean, his meds are time released. His songs are time released. <laughs> let him have his, let, let the guy have his thing. Come on, you know? <laughs> All right, no harm, no foul. Span, how do right. you see it? Well, you reading his lyrics was amazing, by the way. <laughs> I just... I, <laughs> You didn't sound anything like Van Morrison. Um, you know, someone I have a lot of respect for musically. I've been able to separate the the art from the man. Uh, the more you, let's say, I read a lot of biographies about show business people, and a lot of them aren't particularly wonderful uh, when you get into the weeds of their lives. But he's still a great singer, uh, but he's a douchebag when it comes to uh, COVID, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> I believe that is the title of the new album, uh, COVID Douchebag. Week three. Week yeah. three. that song, week three. <laughs> All right. It's a CD, by the way. Uh, again, James Cunningham, Spencer Rice. Guys, with a comedy background, I'm kind of interested in your take on this one because uh, there's a story that at the uh, Top Gun Academy, uh, you get a fine of five bucks every time any of the, you know, the, the recruits or the students there quote the film from 86 with Tom Cruise, like, uh, we've got a need for speed and so on and so forth. And this is where I guess the chief instructor has decided uh, we want to cut out the excesses of these people, you know, who are bright eyed, bushy tailed and thinking that this is what it's all about. But I was thinking, in the world of comedy, if you had five bucks every time some open micer or somebody as not adept as you guys uh, use the cliche of all cliches, what are they when? They might start their act or a premise, you know, a line or whatever. What would that be? I mean, I've got my own ideas. James, how about you? Well, I think it's when they, more when you come off stage and, you, and someone comes out and goes, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? I killed. I killed. <laughs> I, I rocked it. I killed. It's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's up to interpretation or... Uh, 
um, we got to do something with the uh, when you start the act of the uh, hey hey how's everyone doing? But I mean, what do you replace it with? What do you replace it with? <laughs> right. Or let's give a nice hand to our MC. Uh, I mean, yep. buying a little. T- <laughs> How about this one though, Spen? I just broke up with my girlfriend. Is that still being a, a time honored? Uh, you tested. know, I'm. I, I, I guess. I mean, is this thing on? Is the is the is the go to for when your jokes don't work? You point to the microphone. Is this thing on. It, that's called hack, right? Is that what they call it? Um, you yeah. know, I, I there's something about. I once had a, a, a woman who's since passed away, Andrew Baldessari. She was a Canadian film critic, and she, we used to argue because she said if she ever saw a movie that started with an alarm clock going off. That that she right away knew she'd hate the movie, and I don't know. I you know it depends who does it. It depends on a lot of things. I I think we got to hold some some hack traditions up. Uh, at least we can ridicule them, right? And by the way, that's pretty cisgender there, uh, John. You're talking. This is the new world of comedy, my friend. No, my girlfriend broke up with me. That's that's too cisgender for the average. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, Come actually, on. if you want to be really right. progressive, you can say uh, my girlfriend and boyfriend just broke up with me. There you go. Yes, my girlfriend and or boyfriend just broke up with right. me. <laughs> but wait right. a sec. Now you're hurting the feelings of people that are in the midst of a breakup. So I you're don't right. know. You're right. Yep. You're right. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, but they're at a comedy club to laugh. Uh, They're there to laugh, to uh, not be reminded of it. You think so, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, there are others, too. Like, uh, you ever notice that? And then they start to go with the bit. I mean, that's pretty ubiquitous. Or has this ever happened to you? It's like, you know, the the impressionist. Uh, I think it might go something like, and then they turn around and then... (laughs) I mean, seriously, is that still happening in the clubs? Who are these people? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works. It's, it's time-tested. It, it works. And, and, and the problem is when you get into two things different, that it's all about being innovative, and that's important, too. But if everybody tries to be innovative, you'd have a bunch of Jonathan Winters walking around. Uh, I don't know. what it, it would, You know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I like to know that that stuff's there, either for ridicule or for comedic uh, uh, purpose. I don't know. It's a crutch uh, for hacks. But by the way, James, when you were channeling Seinfeld there, I don't know if you guys have seen what was his latest offering on Netflix. I think it bombed it, out. It, it's just it's like it's passed him by, hasn't it? Oh, not at all. No, 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 not at all. I, I know for a fact that he was doing sets at the, at the Beacon Theater once a month. And I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's always writing, always moving stuff. Um, no, no, don't don't take that uh, that stance at all. I mean, it's uh, he's he's sharper than ever, in my opinion. And um, I mean, his style still rings true. And, you know, you, you, you have to look at it as uh, you'll see like a, G- a Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan's style is Jim Gaffigan's style. One of the funniest guys who does not get a lot of, um, you know, a lot of Internet love or a lot of uh, wide release love is, um, oh, my gosh. And is uh, Brian Regan. Brian Regan right. is one of the most classic stand up comics that you will ever have the pleasure of seeing. And right. he hasn't changed his style in years, but his voice is so unique. And you could you could watch his stuff 25 years ago and watch his stuff today. And it's still just as funny. He's the best. Uh, yeah. I've been around, uh, been down to Nashville to see him specifically and oh, uh, yeah. other places as well. Yeah, he's a classic. You Brian too. Regan. You, you too. too. Yeah, you, you, you too. Have, have a good time. Have a good flight too. <laughs> fly anywhere. All right. Uh, the best is still that press conference or the news conference with the sports guys. Uh, I mean, there's so many. Uh, we could Let's just refer him to uh, YouTube. There are a lot of clips there, and you'll know of what we speak in reverential terms. James and Spen, got to let you go. Thanks so much for your time. Friday's uh, Topics Worthy of Destruction. James Cunningham, 
You can uh, catch him hosting corporate events virtually. Spencer Rice, he's got an upcoming Western tour in Alberta, and he's just come or going to Montreal and Hamilton as well. This has been the Oakley Show podcast for Friday, September 18, 2020. You can listen live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 Eastern. Turn the dial to 640. Listen live at 640toronto.com or search the name John Oakley on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 